Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program Thursday night. We are so looking forward to what's going to happen Sunday, and that's when the Texans return home to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Kids Day presented by Texas Children's. The Bucks coming in, losers of three straight, hungry, starving for a victory, and the Texans also hungry themselves after losing to Carolina last week. And it's Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, joined, because it's Thursday, by the general, John McClain, Good evening, General. Let's kick it off with thoughts on the matchup Sunday. This is a tall order to me. This is a desperate team with a good defense. Baker Mayfield streaky. How do you see it? Texans should be a desperate team, too. They're trying to stay in a playoff race. None of those thought they had a chance for. Their defense has been playing great, giving up 18.3 points a game. If they can maintain that, it would be second in franchise history in 2000. 11 with J.J. Watt and Wade Phillips in their first season. The uh, run defense has been incredible. Going from 30th to 11th, I think they will stuff the run because the Bucs don't run very well, 77.9 a game. So I think they'll stuff it. It will give guys like Jonathan Grenard, Will Anderson Jr., and Malik Collins a chance to treat Mayfield the way they treated Bryce Young, which was quite rudely. And another thing about their run defense, in that game Sunday, they only started four guys that weren't on the team last year. And in the last five games, they've given up 91-8 rushing, 3.4 carry. Over the last three, 76.3, 2.7 a carry. So that improvement on defense, which I never expected, to me has been uh, staggering. General, on the offensive side of the ball, there's a potential. We don't know for sure, but there's a potential because Damian Pierce has not practiced that you could be without Damian Pierce, Robert Woods, Tegan Quatoriano, Brevin Jordan. Anybody else I missed? Oh, and then you lost Jared Patterson, who was your starting center, not to mention all the other offensive linemen. And you're going to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So if you're Bobby Slowick, how do you go into this game and what is your philosophy of pass, run? What do you do? against a defense that's got Vita Vea potentially back, and you're without all those guys we just mentioned. They were without more than that, and they beat the tar out of Pittsburgh. They re they relegated T.J. Watt to being irrelevant, so they're capable of doing it again. And they've been good at home other than the game against Anthony Richardson. You know, the Bucks, the Bucks lead the league in turnover differential, plus eight, which is amazing. Because when you see the team that's leading, usually it's one of the best teams with a great record. And as you guys mentioned, they've lost three in a row and they're three and four. So I think, you know, Michael Dieter is the new center. By the way, according to Elias Sports Bureau, the Texans the first team since 1960 to start a rookie center and a rookie quarterback for the first seven games of the season. That streak, wow. of course, is over. But Dieter, I don't know when's the last time he played center in a regular season game, came in at the end of the Carolina game, and they need him to be good. You know they're going to double-team Vita Vea with either Shaq Mason or or Titus Howard. He'll still be at left guard, even though he struggled there. And the reason they can't run the ball is because they're offensive line. Too many guys getting hit in the backfield before they ever get started. But the Bucks do have a great run defense. Texans have a bad run offense. So I'm guessing that both – Running games will be shut down. It'll come down to Baker Mayfield and C.J. Stroud, who does the best job. 
Did we underestimate how important Robert Woods is to this offense going into that game last week against Carolina? Personally, I don't think he would have made any difference. C.J. Stroud's rating has gone down each of the last five weeks. I don't think Robert Woods was uh, missing except for one game. Teams have adjusted to what was working with Stroud. Now Bobby Slowick and Stroud have to adjust to what they're doing with him. Of course they need to get Dalton Schultz involved more. I thought Schultz, with Woods out, would be involved more than he has been. He had his worst game of the season. So, so Bobby Slowick has got to become more creative. He's got to be able to adjust because teams have adjusted to him and what he's doing and what uh, C.J. Stroud is doing. So, yeah, they miss Woods on third down, but I don't think Stroud's decline in passer rating has anything to do with Woods being out. Defensively general last week, six sacks. I mean, it's the most sacks. Well, it's most sacks in how long? As I said that, I had to think about that. When's the last time the Texans have had six sacks? Point being, you're starting to see some real growth defensively. The last drive against Atlanta, you like to have back. The last drive against Carolina, you like to have back. But the pass rush is really getting it going. And now you face Baker Mayfield, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, they've not been able to run the ball very well. I would feel, I, th- I would think that's a recipe for success, the fact that this pass rush has really kind of picked it up lately. How do you kind of look at that matchup, the pass rush, going against Baker Mayfield with an offense that really can't run the ball in the Bucs? They should have had eight sacks, and two were called back by penalties. Jonathan Gennard, who's playing mm-hmm. for a new contract, should have had three and a half, but he had that face mask penalty on his first one. So I don't know. They knocked down Bryce Young ten times. They had nine tackles for loss. It was a great performance. Just one stinking drive kept them from winning. And you think about it, they've lost their last two games with no time left on the clock. So they're so close, so close to being five and two. A lot of teams can say they could have won games, I understand. But the key to getting after Bryce Young, besides Grenard schooling Ike Aquano, a former high number one pick, that was brutal. That would Grenard be arrested for what he did to him on the field if it was off the field. And can he keep it up? You know the Buccaneers are going to double him. They're not going to have one guy blocking him. And that that should help uh, Malik Collins, but also it should help Will Anderson Jr. who had a split sack with Jalen Petrie called back. The key to all that was 44 yards rushing. I did a column for sportsradio610.com about why they have improved dramatically on defense over the last three years. And D'Amico said the key is you got to have Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard setting the edge. And even though we think of them as Pass rushers, they're really good against the run. Mm. The idea is to keep everything inside. Don't let people get around the corner and break long runs. They've been able to do that. And then, of course, they got to have that physical mindset that D'Amico's always talking about. And he said, if you continue to do that, people are not going to run it. They're going to throw the ball. Then you get after the quarterback. Well, I think we saw that against the Panthers. It didn't result in a victory, of course. But if that is a sign of what's to come, beginning Sunday against Baker Mayfield. That is going to be tremendous for the Texans. They're going to win a lot more games. I also wonder Bryce Young being a rookie, Baker Mayfield being a savvy veteran, if he will be able to get the ball quicker or see those guys all over him. Brian Baldinger had the All-22 tape, and he ran ran a thing this week of showing how Jonathan – Greenard, as he called him, Jonathan Greenard <laughs> just worked over Ike Aquano and how quick he got to Bryce Young and how he beat double teams with linemen, how he beat Aquano, didn't beat a running back. 
I can't wait to see if Grenard can continue it. And then Nick Serio is going to have to pay him a whole lot of money. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Let's get to this, though. In the It's a weird league department. In the AFC, when you take out the division leaders, then you have the Bills at 5-3. and three. Everybody's 4-3 and three or 3-4 three and four until you get to the bottom, the New England Patriots, and I love saying that. But what do you make of what's happening right now, this win one, lose one? You do have a few teams on a roll here. The Bengals three in a row, the Jets three in a row, obviously the Ravens three in a row, and the Jaguars. I don't even want to talk about them with, what, five victories in five a row? Five in a row. Longest winning streak in the AFC. Yeah. It's just a jumbled group right now, General, with a chance for the Texans to do some damage if they can get hot. Well, as we're talking right now, the Titans are getting ready to play at Pittsburgh. I certainly don't expect Will Levis to have the kind of game against the Steelers. And Mike Tomlin, as he did Sunday in that incredible performance, four touchdowns, no interceptions, a 130. Rating must have been the close. And um, Jacksonville, I guess the Texans slapped them silly because they haven't lost a game since. Can't wait till November 26 when the Jaguars come here. If the Texans could sweep them, that's like beating them three times because if you did need a tiebreaker, I don't think they will. Texans have to beat Tampa because then they're running the risk of being three and six because they're not going to win it Cincinnati. And look around Kansas City losing that game at Denver. That was pathetic. All of a sudden, they look like they could use Tyreek Hill, although they won a Super Bowl without him. To me, the biggest disappointment, you're talking about the Patriots, Mark, the, big, the, the biggest disappointment is the Chargers. Mm-hmm. The Chargers made the playoffs last year. They were supposed to be clearly number two to Kansas City and AFC West. Brandon Staley's right up there near the top of coaches most likely to be fired. When you have Justin Herbert and the kind of talent they have on both sides of the ball, you ought to be better. And Herbert had an engineer to winning drive in the fourth quarter. I don't know if it's just last year or this year, but he has not been good in that situation. And when I see surprise teams and good teams right now, I'm not so sure if Cincinnati is not the best team in the league now that Joe Burrow is healthy. And that that Chiefs-Dolphins game, those Germans are in for a huge treat. <laughs> it's the best game featuring two teams with the most victories in any international game. And Mm. it's right there in Germany, and those fans will eat it up. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that the game is in Germany. It's not just a bunch of Germans that are watching the game. It's actually in Germany. You can watch it, though, (laughs) even if you're not German. Yeah, you can. I mean, you Mm -hmm. are allowed. Generally, you talk about disappointments. Um, I don't know where this ranks on the disappointment scale, but the Raiders made a lot of changes Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, Mick Lombardi, and essentially Jimmy Garoppolo all benched or fired. Your thoughts about what's going on in Las Vegas? Well, playing Aiden Aiden O'Connell as a a rookie, at quarterback, they're just trying to lose. They've thrown in the white flag. (laughs) They want to get one of the quarterbacks with a new coach. People are talking about, well, what about about Lincoln Riley? Caleb Williams, well, you better have the first pick. What about Jim Harbaugh? J.J. McCarthy. There's a lot of avenues in which they could go. You know, I don't. if I'm a Raiders fan, I got no confidence whatsoever in Mark Davis. You know, his, his business acumen of owning a team will never match the worst haircut in the history of mankind, but it's pretty bad. He's hired a lot of coaches, a lot of GMs. Going back to Gruden and Mayock, they were supposed to be the be-all, end-all. And, of course, that didn't end because of football. 
And and I just I was I know that Josh McDaniels insisted on Ziegler coming. Ziegler is a protege of Nick Casario, so he hired both of them. Josh McDaniels. Let's face it, he became a great offensive coordinator because of Tom Brady. I'm not so sure the three of us couldn't have been a great coordinator because of Tom Brady. It's kind of uh, it's it's such really shocking, isn't it? That Bill O'Brien was a great coordinator when he had Brady. Now that he's gone back with Mac Jones, eh, not so much. Yeah, it's funny you say that because hmm. I could imagine myself as an OC. Tom, what would you like to run this play? Okay, <laughs> let's do that one. You know, he comes yeah, over. You, you, you were, I'll read the Boston Globe while you call the play. Exactly. <laughs> Tom, whatever you think, man, you just call the plays out there. Let's go old school here. Let's go Dante Pastorini. Hold on a second. Speaking yeah. of old school, this reminded me of a great story I was told. When Tom Landry and Vince Lombardi were coaching the Giants for Jim Ray out, uh, the writers, media, the TV people didn't go out then, but you walk down this long hallway at their old facility, and you look in one dark room, and there's an old film projector on the wall, and Lombardi's working on the offense. Then you go to the next room, there's dark film projector on the wall. Landry Ooh. is working on the defense. Then you get down to the head coach, Jim Jim Lee Howe's office, and he's got the newspaper spread out, his feet up on the desk, and he's reading the New York Daily News. That's beautiful. That's, That's beautiful. the kind of head coaching job you want. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we talked about the Raiders a little bit. We'll see what they do. But uh, back to tonight's game, Will Levis, your thoughts on the encore performance after four touchdown passes in the debut. We cannot expect that kind of production from him. I know we're not going to get that, but is he good enough to continue to be at least effective as an NFL starter, or was that a complete aberration? How did you see it? People up there are really fired up, of course. Mike Rabel's a genius again. Tim Kelly actually knows what he's doing. And uh, I do two shows a week up there. And they're like, have you ever seen anything like this in the first game? I said, uh, Marcus Mariota. He had four mm. touchdowns and no interceptions in his first game. Oh, that's a so buzzkill. Pump mm. the brakes a little bit. Now, I thought Levis was going in the first round. I had him in the first round in all 12 of my mock drafts. I studied him carefully because at one point – I thought he might end up with the Texans. You know, Mel Kuyper had him as the best quarterback prospect in the draft, and you think he's not crowing this week. And one thing last year about Levis, he lost his offense coordinator. He lost his receivers. He played hurt. You know, as he told us at the combine, you guys were there, I'm going to throw because I want to, I've got a cannon for an arm, and I want him to see it. And they saw it. Titans traded up in the second round to get him. Diop averaged 32 yards a catch. Ugh. He never averaged 32 yards a catch here. He feels like he's found a fountain of youth. Derrick Henry had 100 yards again, so he doesn't have to play that great. But if he plays just half that well, think about what his stats could be. I think now we're going to see C.J. Stroud and Will Levis two times in December. Over, under on Levis interceptions tonight. I'll set it at one and a half. I'm going over. I'm going over. The whole thing was his inconsistency at Kentucky. That was the whole thing. In a game, you would see two beautiful throws. You'd see a crappy throw. From game to game, you'd see one good game. You'd see one bad game. It was inconsistency. So if he goes out tonight and throws a couple of touchdowns, I'm not ready to put him in Canton. But it might mean that he's getting better coaching. He's got more consistent offensive players, as John mentioned, around him. But I'm still going mm -hmm. over. I'm going over the two picks tonight. Okay. Well, I'll go under just to be different for you guys because <laughs> I know y'all are. 
hoping for that so bad. Lives yeah. hang in the balance of these predictions, clearly. Yes. <laughs> Generally, the trade deadline passed on Tuesday. Nothing here in Houston, but some interesting kind of doghead turn moves like Chase Young, the 49ers, and Montez Sweat went to the Bears, and they didn't get an extension done at the same time the trade was being made. Uh, oh, trade deadline, what are your thoughts? I thought Ron Rivera's gone. Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator for them, think about it. You get rid of their two best pass rushers. Don't even try to re-sign them. Get rid of them. Get a compensatory three for Young. Mm -hmm. So Young will not be re-signed for the 49ers. How in the world could they do that, considering what they paid Nick Bosa and then tackle uh, Javon Hargrave? Come from Philadelphia. I just don't think they could do it with a third player. But Young was playing really well, so you get him. He leaves. You get a third-round compensatory pick. So he basically got him free for with the for nine games, and I thought it was a brilliant move. Sweat, you know, he's going to want to get paid. He goes to the Bears. I don't know why anybody want to go to the Bears. It wasn't his choice. They should have got the extension worked out, and uh, they didn't. So now he can pull a Laramie Tunsil. He can he can work them and get a much bigger contract because they gave up a two. They don't want to be like Chase Claypool. They gave up a two for him. It backfired. This one's got to work, but it just shows everybody. Ron Rivera is history. Help me out with this one. The Colts are visiting the Panthers. We just saw them up close and personal, getting their first victory of the year. Ouch. Colts three and five going in after doing all they could to get a victory, but not enough against the New Orleans Saints. What do you think of this one in Charlotte this weekend? First of all, the Texans should have won that game. Giving up one touchdown, not winning is preposterous in the NFL. Mm. And, and of course, the defense played a role because of the last series. But I think that uh, the calls with Gardner Minshew have been able to score. And uh, we've seen him in the past at Jacksonville. He's up one week, down the next. Seemed like he was almost always up against the Texans, except in London. But the Texans still beat him uh, almost every time they played him. And... um it wouldn't surprise me if the Panthers don't win a second game. But uh, Indy, you know, Indy's not bad. Indy's a half game behind the Texans and Titans. And they're, I think all three teams, as it plays out over the rest of the season, they're going to win some, they're going to lose some. The key is can they stay in the race for the wild card? Because right now there's a lot of teams that are in it, and none of them are really good. The division winners, leaders are good but not the teams competing for the wild card so far. General, over in the NFC, we know it's the Philadelphia Eagles is more than likely the best team. I mean, they're playing, they're starting to kind of round into shape, you would think. What's the one AFC team that you would not want to face this Sunday? The one the Texans play next Sunday, Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. They that, that victory at San Francisco was very impressive. Wasn't very impressive to Arizona, but so what, Joe? Joe Burrow's playing really well again. And as he goes, so go the Bengals. 49ers, Brock Purdy's not playing well. Eagles are the best team. I still can't believe the Chiefs lost at Denver, breaking their five-game winning streak. I think when all's said and done, it's going to come down to Kansas City and, uh, and Cincinnati and Miami. I don't think Buffalo is just, for some reason, Buffalo doesn't have it going on. And if Philadelphia should beat the Cowboys in Philly, and they'll play them later in uh, Arlington. But I don't think anybody except diehard Cowboy fans are going to put the Cowboys in a class with the Eagles right now. 
And even though the Lions got stomped at Baltimore, they rebounded against the Raiders, and their schedule is really easy. It won't surprise me at all if the Lions don't end up with home field advantage in the NFC. Wow. All right, General, in this week's episode of What's Going On with Deshaun Watson, he's (laughs) unsure. Yeah, exactly. He's unsure if he's playing. Okay. And they continue to put him out in front of the media, which is what I wanted to get into right here. How surprising is that to you? Last week, this week, he's not cleared to play, or it's not announced that he's playing, yet they put him up there at the podium every week, which is a strange PR move to me. What are your thoughts? They have to. Why? Unless the guy's on injured reserve or he's out, hurt, they got to talk. So if he doesn't talk, they're going to find him. They're going to go to the league office, well, ha- and they're going to find him. But hang on. Teams operate differently. The Texans, if you got a toenail, they don't talk. <laughs> but up there, they trot him out there because they have to. Because they have, if he's he's a possible of playing Sunday, he said that just because he said he shouldn't have tried to play in the last game, and he's practicing, but he said that doesn't mean he's playing. So when you're in that situation, you haven't been ruled out, uh, then you got to talk to the media. All right, I've got one for you here because Greg Grissom, the president of the Texans, and Juan Rodriguez, who is basically the czar of the building, uh, he oversees the building, they were talking about traffic with the media yesterday and how there's major construction going on 288, where if you want to go east from 288, you got to go west first to make a UE somewhere. And obviously those exits impact NRG Stadium access on Sunday, so they're encouraging everybody to take extra time to get to the stadium on Sunday. And there's uh, some some construction as well on Westridge, yes. right, where they uh-huh. squeeze the road. Exactly. I take that every morning to get to work. But anyway, construction, it's never really done. It's like life. It's a journey. There's no destination here. Uh, what is what is the most menacing construction project in your memory in Houston? Is it the Katy Freeway? Is it the 288 expansion? I mean, obviously no. not all of these affect your commute or have, but what do you think, General? Ever since before I came to Houston, they've been working on 290. They're still working on 290, <laughs> yes. and they've been working on 45 <laughs> and 45 South. Oh yeah, 45 South is just, I don't even know why anybody goes to Galveston anymore. But, you know, I was thinking, I've been going to the Astrodome slash NRG Stadium since 1977, and I go away in which there's no traffic, and I whiz right in, mm. and so I should probably tell everybody what it is, but I'm not. <laughs> He's I don't got want a everybody se- going. Secret so go access. Early, mm-hmm. Go early, tailgate, have fun. I'm glad you guys brought this up because I need to tweet it a couple of times because uh, I remember the last year the Oilers were here, the uh, Astros on the on they were the Landlord, they cut back on people, security, everything. People weren't three games. People, media people didn't get in until halftime. Ooh, Everybody ooh. wanted to blame it on Bud Adams. I said, Bud Adams doesn't have anything to do with that because they had things going on in the other buildings. And so I told people, just go early. I, I don't know what time you guys get there. I get there three hours early because I want to be in the press box. I don't want to be stuck in traffic. I'm with you. I'm well before that. And by the way, General, I, I, A, I would like for you to use the verb whiz a little bit more. <laughs> you know, you said you whiz, whiz right in. That was good. That yeah. was good. We need, we, need to, we need to whiz right through things. I mean, that, we need to use that verb a little bit more. That's a good one. I like that. Two definitions, like 
It's I not it. like the Wizard of Oz. I mean, it's like moving rapidly. You whiz That's by. Weird. Stop this talking about weird. my prostate, okay? <laughs> anyway, next. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, General, uh, we've talked kind of all around Titans and Steelers. Who you got tonight? I think the Steelers are going to win that game. I think the defense is going to double DeAndre Hopkins. Will Levis is going to be welcome to the NFL. I think it's going to be low-scoring. Pittsburgh's games usually are. I think the Steelers will win like 19 to 16. Thoughts on the Rangers winning the World Series? Congratulations oh. for them. They choked a game in the last regular season game. They had to go to Tampa. The Rays had home field advantage. The Rangers won. Same to Baltimore. They won. They won here and they won there. So 11 and 0 on the road. Bruce yeah. Bochy, one of the all time great managers. Congratulations to the Rangers for winning it. I can't wait till spring training. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Astros, Rangers next year, it's all elevated. It's going to be really cool to have that rivalry going on. And you know what? The Texans have a shot to play the Cowboys next year in Dallas Ooh. because Ooh. if you finish in the same slot with right, them right, in right. the division, right. we play the NFC you'll East. play them. So mm-hmm. if you're first, you might play the Eagles. But wait, who do you have with uh, Dallas Eagles this weekend? Is it Eagles? No question about no it. No Eagles. They're playing at home. I think they're going to beat the Cowboys. They just gave up 31 to Washington. Mm. So they're they they're gonna give up a lot to the Cowboys. I think it'd be like thirty twenty seven. Okay, General, you mentioned Washington. That made me think. There are a lot of rumors about Washington and Bill Belichick. What do you think about that? Do you th- you think it's possible that Josh no, Harris could make a deal and bring Bill Belichick not. there? No. Mike Florio throws some <laughs> things out there like that, and he gets a lot of clicks. And he said he's been hearing that. Belichick just signed that big contract extension in the off season, according to Ian Rappaport. And I don't think he would have gone with it if it wasn't true, but Florio put it out there. They could pay the Patriots something as compensation, take take on the contract, make a big splash. Truthfully, you know, we've seen that with some other coaches. Some have been successful, some haven't. Belichick's going to be, I think he's 72 now. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but if I'm Washington, that's not who I want to start over with. Didn't Lombardi went? He went to the playoffs with Washington, right? Well, he was. They were no. terrible because he was starting. He had cancer, mm-hmm. and he died quickly. And he and and so you never know how it would have worked out if he lived another twenty years and had total control. But uh, his illness got him, and it never was what uh, that uh, Jack and Cook wanted to be. They had a good. They had a good record the one year, but they didn't make the playoffs. They had a All good right. record that year, though. They had it's a like good, seven and five or something, something like that. Winning for where? them, it all right. Yeah, yeah right, you're right. right. I've got it right here. Hang on a second. It was seven and five. Yes, Johnny, seven and five. Which great for them, job, John. Yeah, that, I know my was, history. That was a headline at the time. And kids, there were twelve games in the NFL season then in 1969. Twelve, 12 games. Can you imagine? And no bye weeks. Yeah, college football saying, yeah, what's the big deal about yeah. that? Okay, General, what do you have going on on SportsRadio610.com and the rest of it? I have a column on uh, Jonathan Grenard, Jonathan Greenard, and uh, Malik Collins having the best game in <laughs> team history for an end and a tackle. And I have one about the incredible improvement in their run defense and what that means against the Buccaneers and for the rest of the season. And on Friday, I will have my five things to watch in this game. John and Mark, thank you guys very much, as always. General, okay, I got one small one before you go. Sure. Did you ever steal candy from candy left out in front of a house before trick-or-treating? No, I stole it from other trick-or-treaters. Okay, that's different. (laughs) 
That's different. That's just, you know, mano okay. a mano right yeah, that's, there. I mean, that's just doggy dog. Yeah. 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 But but you never like they never left the bowl out and you went and took all the candy from it. Back no, the, we never had anybody leave a bowl out okay. in Waco because if you did, first people came by is going to take it off. Yeah, it went, and I told the story of Sean Pender. Guess I got to tell it real quick. Um, when I go home to Waco and I see people I've known my whole life, they call me Mad Dog. It's been my nickname since seventh grade. Oh my gosh! Because I was uh, this this girl told me she's going to let me kiss her on Halloween, so I was supposed to meet her. I was running late because I was trick or treating. And uh, so I started cutting through yards, jumping fences, and I got beat by a dog, bit by a dog. And I'm thinking, you know, I'd rather kiss her than worry about this dog. And I got, she stood me up, got <sighs> bit, didn't didn't get my kiss. I go home. My parents are like, well, where'd you get bit? I said, well, I, well, what were you doing? What were you doing jumping all those fences? And so I didn't tell them. And they take me to the vet, and I had to get rabies shots. So from that point on, all my friends call me Mad Dog. All right. Never got that kiss, <laughs> but got the, a bite. Never I did. I've heard that story. That's great. People General. say, why don't you tell who she was? And I said, hey, she could be living in Houston and have a family. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's I true. think you're okay, though. Yeah, All right, fine. General. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys very much. All right, coming up, it's the game that everybody loves so much. It's taken over the entire game show universe. More likely to happen. We're going to do it next here. It's Texans Radio. Continuing on the program, great to have you listening to Texans Radio tonight. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Thanks to the General for being on. This show will be in podcast form soon enough, but by the time you listen to it, the General will have made his pick, or it will be known, the result of the game between the Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll see if he was right or wrong. Who did you pick in that one, by the way, Johnny? I got Steelers. Okay. Steelers winning and covering. There's a two and a half, two and a half point spread. So I'm going with Steelers. I don't know how great I feel about it. I mean, it sounds like Kenny Pickett's going to play, so I think that's a good thing. So I'm going to go with that. I think it is a good thing. He says Kinda. with a question mark. Yeah. yeah. All right. I said we we're going to play uh, more likely to happen, but I lied. It's who's better because we could go either way. Sometimes we mix yeah, yeah, them yeah. up. But okay. here we go. And in no particular order, let's have it. Who's better? What's better in this case? What's a better coaching job? The Raiders, which just parted ways with their boss, Josh McDaniels, or I'm not saying the job is open, but it feels like it could be soon. The Bears with Matt Eberflus. Better job, Johnny. Bears, Raiders, go. I think it's the Bears, and I say that only because the Bears have a ton of cap space. They don't have a bunch of long-term contracts locked in, but they got to try and figure out they have tons of draft capital. So I think draft capital, if you if you talk to somebody just constructing a team, you thought, okay, what do you need? Well, I'd like to have some draft, some, some draft capital. I'd like to have some cap space. Mm. Those two things I can work with. I don't know that the Raiders have either one of those. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, the way the contract was structured, if he's not there in 2024, it's a $28 million cap hit. Oof. Why did they do this? So they can get they can make it a June one designated release if that's the way they end up going. And if they do, then essentially it's split. They'll recognize like fifteen percent or fifteen million of it in twenty four and then thirteen million of it in twenty five. So oy. now the Bears, it's not totally like clean. You gotta decide what are you doing with Justin Fields? Uh-huh. Uh, what do you have there? But you have cap space and you have draft capital. That's a nice place to start. Now, do I get to pick my GM? Uh, yeah, you do, because you're, okay, you're an incoming Bears. coach with a lot of juice. Bears. 
So you pick your incoming GM. Because I'm thinking that if there's a move there, both are yep. gone. Yes. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm going with the Bears. Montez Sweat called and said, I've got all the leverage in the world. He does. Okay. And, and look, I've got cap space. I'll pay him a little bit of a premium because the previous GM messed that up. I'll pay him a little bit of a premium, but I'm not going to give up the number 35, 36, 37 pick in the draft and get nothing. I'm keeping Montez Sweat, even if it costs me money. I'm making sure I keep Sweat, and he turns into the stud we think he's going to be. He's going to be our next Khalil Mack. And so now we're starting to build something on the defensive side of the ball, find the right quarterback in the draft, and away we go. Okay, who's better continues, and we'll get to a Texans question soon, better chance to win this weekend. Texans don't play either of these teams, but I'm curious. New England or Washington? Now, Washington just got rid of two defensive players that we all know so well, mm -hmm. Montez Sweat and Chase Young. They're at New England. I don't like this one at all. And by don't like it, I mean uh, the Patriots have a shot to win this thing, and I don't like that. So you tell me, better chance to win this weekend. Well, I find it interesting that New England's favored by three and a half. Mm. So Vegas thinks straight up New England's better than Washington. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to go there. Washington's kind of been all over the map. Sometimes they're pretty nasty. I know. They can I make mean, last week against Philadelphia. They're down, or they're ahead, give up three straight touchdowns, then get back in it, but can't get another outside kick. They lose 38-31. They go down to Atlanta. They beat Atlanta down in Atlanta one week after we had lost to Atlanta uh, in Atlanta. So the commanders are all over the place. I think what we're finding with the Patriots is they're just not very good, <laughs> and they're not very good consistently. Yeah. That said, playing in Gillette, I'm going to give this one to the Patriots because they have found a little something. You know, last uh, two weeks ago when they beat the Bills, yep. they went down to Miami and they were outgunned a little bit, but they hung in that game. They got it to, I, I want to say they got it to 24-17 at some point before the, the Dolphins put the capper on. So I'm going to go with the Patriots. I think Vegas is right on this. I think the Patriots by about three to five is about right. Damian Pierce banged up. So let's go better chance to rush for more yards. Someone from the Texans or Rashad White for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend? I was almost going to say immediately someone from the Texans, and I'm like, man, I just keep seeing big number 50 in front of me. I keep, seeing, I keep seeing Vita Vey, and I'm like, I just have this image back in 2019 of him just tossing our guys around like they were throw pills. In fact, that's the 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 comment I used in my Know Your Foe. Go check that out. Texans Houston, won Texans. the game. Texas did win the game. But they didn't win it because of the offense that day. Yeah. Defense you, had four picks. You remember how many rushing yards they had? Uh, what, the Bucks? No, the Texans. They had a lot of rushing yards? 31. That's it. Okay, yeah. On 19 carries. Wait, now, look, I'm sorry. Take it back. 31 yards for their two running backs. Deshaun had 37. They had 31 yards and 19 carries for their two running the backs. four picks helped. Uh, they wiped us uh, pick six off yes. the board. I remember had to kick a field goal after that. It should have been more of a route than it was, right. but it was still a decisive victory. Up yeah, there, James right? got them back or in it, and then it was a ball game. Then DeAndre Carter, as I played on t Texas matchup the other day, came up big, thirty-nine yard catch, got him in field goal range, won that game twenty-three twenty. But Texas That's it? unable to move the ball against Vita Vea in the run game with their running backs. Mm. I don't think Tampa Bay is all round as good this defense that that defense was but you could see the makings of it like oh boy they're gonna be good i'm still gonna say the texans because i'm gonna be positive about this mm -hmm. i'm gonna say someone from the texans 
because the Bucks just can't run the football. That offensive line is really struggling. They've got some youth on it. They've got some inexperience. They do have Tristan Wirfs. It's kind of like our our lines when it was Laramie and then it was a hodgepodge of other guys due to injuries and things like that. It's kind of what the Bucks line is. They have Tristan Wirfs, and then they got a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. But I don't think that they're going to run for 100 at all or get close. So I'm going to have to go with the Texans and just hope they block Vita Vey in some way, shape, or form. Okay, I said it was who's better. I lied because I'm more likely. To yeah, happen. there it is. More likely to win this weekend in Germany, Ooh. Miami or Kansas City. And boy, are they so happy this matchup is in place here in Frankfurt Sunday morning. This makes you really want to get up and watch this yeah, game. Absolutely. Now, we'll be here at the stadium yep. so we can watch it on the monitor a little bit. But. I'm kind of pulling for the Dolphins in this one. I don't pull for the Chiefs under any circumstances unless they're playing an AFC South team. What are your thoughts? I'm going to Dolphins here. I do think the Chiefs will bounce back, but I think the loss to the Broncos, you could honestly you could see it coming. I didn't think it was the Broncos that would have done it. But I think if you looked at the way the Chiefs had been playing, it was not clean. They didn't play clean against the Jets and somehow won that particular game. There were a couple of games where you felt like, "Mm, man, if Kelsey doesn't make these catches, are they going to win that game? It finally caught up to him against the Broncos. Just everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. I think this time they're running into a buzzsaw with the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins heard a lot of noise. I was watching their their, uh, post, like their wrap-up video that has all the mic'd up and stuff, and it was really, really good. And Mike McDaniel talked in the locker room one of the things that he alluded to was you got to beat the big boys in this league. Mm-hmm. And we got a big boy coming up in Germany. So yeah. they're very aware of the fact that their six wins have come against teams that they're definitely better than. And their two losses have come to teams that they feel like they're on par with. This one's a big one for Miami, I think. I think Miami goes and wins this game. Kansas City's favored by a point and a half, but I think, can't, I think the Dolphins are going to go win this game. I think Miami, relatively healthy for the most part, got Waddle and Tyreek, Tua's pretty much locked in. And I just don't believe that the Chiefs, this is not the Broncos beating the Chiefs twice. I just think the Chiefs have shown some cracks in the armor. And I think the Dolphins are going to sneak in there uh, and knock them off. All right. Who's better now? Better team, the Lions, who are on a bye this week, or the Cowboys, who are 5-2 and on their way to Philly. So I can't say here, well, it's based on what happens this coming weekend because if the Cowboys beat the Eagles, right. I think I know what the answer is going to be. Right. But who's better right now, Cowboys or the Detroit Lions? And do the Cowboys have a win as good as the Lions beating Kansas City on opening day? No, they don't. No, they no, don't. They don't. Yeah. they don't. But I still would take the Cowboys, and, and maybe Ooh. part of that is maybe part of that is just <sighs> The Cowboys have been better for longer. I don't know. You you know I was on the Lions starting last year. I had told you and McClain, we were sitting right here, and I said, hey, look out for the Lions. Maybe not this year. Maybe not make the playoffs, but they're going to start making some noise, and now it's become, a, it's become a really good football team. I think the Lions offense, using Jameer Gibbs the way they did on Monday night, kind of peeled back another layer of what they can do offensively. That makes them that much tougher to stop. But mm-hmm. I just believe in that Cowboys defense. When that Cowboys defense is amped up to level 10, volume 10, I think it's a lot tougher to, to move the ball on. I do think the Lions defense is good, but Baltimore just shredded it. I mean, absolutely shredded it. So I'm going to go. The, if, if I did this, 0 to 100, the Lions are a 91, and the Cowboys are a 92 and a half. Okay. They're, so they're that close. They're right there. Yeah. They're right there. I, I more, more likely to happen. More likely to happen. The Horns get upset by Kansas State. 
or the Aggies upset Ole Miss. Aggies on the road. The Longhorns are at home against a tough Kansas State team. What's more likely to happen, Kansas State wins or A&M wins? Kansas State winning. And I think a couple things. Number one, Texas has got Malik Murphy still going. And Malik was okay. I mean, he managed things. But Ewers was giving them winning plays each week, which is different than what he was doing at 22. So he was impacting the game. He was making plus plays, the quarterback position. I think Malik managed it well and did okay, but there still was just the offense was kind of disjointed and a little janky uh, in their win last week. But they ended up getting the win. I think now he's got a little bit under his belt. I think he's going to be a little bit better. But Kansas State's on a roll. They've beaten TCU and Houston. Now, it's at home, but they beat those two teams 82-3, to a combined 82-3. Mm. to mm. So I think Kansas State's kind of hitting its stride. Would it surprise me at all if A&M goes to Ole Miss and beats Ole Miss? Heck no. Not at all. But I just it's more I believe in Kansas State. Not that I don't believe in A&M. I believe in Kansas State. I think Kansas State's a really good team. And the fact they're facing an offense led by Malik Murphy and not Quinn Ewers, I think that gives them a shot to go and win that game. All right, Johnny. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Coming Mark, up, you. Houston Methodist Minutes, among other things. Now, this is sports psychology, right? This is you're on the golf course. You feel not so good about your round, and you need to feel better in a hurry. Or you feel great, but wait a minute, now the wheels are coming off. What happened? A lot of mental stuff in sports, not just about golf. Football, obviously the supplies as well. Let's get into that next, among other things, here on Texans Radio. Jumping right into the final segment here on Texans All Access tonight. In advance of what is going to go down between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans tonight, go Steelers. Am I supposed to be objective? Forget about it. You know where my heart is and my head is and my whole body is with this one. Go Steelers. Beat the Titans. Enough on that. Let's get into sports psychology. Maybe I need a sports psychologist, but this is more about performance and having the winning edge and being confident and overcoming slumps and maybe overconfidence and things like that. Let's get into it now. Houston Methodist Minutes with Dr. Alicia Robichaux. And doctor, how's it going with you? It's going great. Night loving this cooler weather. Cooler weather and it's football weather. So let's talk along those lines yeah. about sports psychology. How's that for a transition? Sounds great. But I wanted I wanted to do this because I find it interesting. And look, some of this might apply to the Texans and what they're going through, but other teams as well, other individual athletes as well. And I want to keep it general here, but let's go here as you gain success. And maybe it's not just in sports, but in life, dealing with that success and maintaining the edge that got you the success. How much do you deal with that in your line of work? And what are some of the nuances involved in being able to maintain that edge that people are looking for to keep them on top? I definitely think I hear more about this with my elite athletes, but it's really, really big in golf um, because mm. you always have to you know, maintain a certain level of playing, not one, but three days in a row. Um, you know, so golf has this a lot. My track athletes have it a lot. My football players always, when it gets closer to playoff time and, uh, and higher level competitions for swimmers and divers, et cetera, I think the big thing is that we, we don't get complacent, but we get so excited to have reached a higher level of where we want to go in our sport, whether it's per that year or just in your personal gains, that sometimes we do start to lose that competitive edge because we now start to get nervous that 
we need to maintain a certain level of performance. Um, a lot of times we, we recommend people do meditations. We recommend going back to what made them good. We recommend focusing on how you blur out all of the outside uh, distractors so that you can keep what you know to be true continued. And that's sometimes hard to do when we feel like people are watching us now or we have pressure to win. So it does get a little bit complicated. Dr. Alicia Robichaud joining us on Houston Methodist Minutes. Let's talk about, and golf is a great example of this, when, all right, you played well in the past, but all of a sudden you're in a funk. You just can't hit shots anymore. You lose confidence. What are some of the things that people can do or do do to get themselves back on track? So visual imagery is a big one. So whether you're a gymnast or a golfer, a lot of times we use seeing hitting the ball, seeing your routine on the bars, seeing you run down to the vault and get ready to go and do that vault. Um, so visual imagery is a big one. The other thing is what makes you calm? If listening to music makes you calm, then we put on some music. Anything that just makes you go to that place that you're happy, you're free, and you can just do what skills you know. So using music is helpful. Um, working on positive reinforcement, you know, saying, I am going to hit this ball 250 yards. I am going to stick this vault. I am going to hit this baseball coming at me. And using positive reinforcement always sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo, but it really does work. And we train the brain to be susceptible for good thoughts, just like we train the muscles to be susceptible for good landings and good twisting and good cutting and pivoting. So you've got to train the brain to do it when you need it to work. I've got one more for you, doctor. I hear more and more about burnout with athletes, no matter what the age, college athletes who are just tired of the grind or maybe even kids who have been playing baseball since they were five or six. And all of a sudden at 12, they semi-retire or whatever the case may be. How much do you deal with that kind of thing? And I got to imagine it varies from athlete to athlete as to how severe it is and how it affects them. It does. This is a big problem, especially with athletes in youth sports, because a lot of times people will specialize very early. And so I have a lot of select baseball players or select golf and all of these things that all they do is they play one sport instead of being diverse and playing several different sports. So there's overuse injuries, there's depression, there's a lot of different things that go with subset specialty um, specializations too early. So that's why we always recommend that athletes not just pick one sport if possible. But when they do come in burnt out, a lot of times we have to listen to the athlete. Sometimes just taking a break for a short period of time doesn't necessarily mean quitting. It means divert your ideas for a little while. Maybe take up something for a couple of weeks. Give yourself a vacation, just like you might need from your job now and then or school now and then doing the same sport and really training hard sometimes will burn you out. So being refreshed, getting plenty of sleep, making sure you're mentally and physically healthy is very important to avoid burnout. And when we do see it, we treat the individual person. Sometimes we need medicines. Sometimes we need rest. Sometimes we need counseling. And sometimes we just need a few days off recoup, and we come back in full force. It all is very specialized to each individual athlete, but there's a lot of different approaches. But talk to your doctor because we can help with those things. Well, thanks so much for the information, doctor. We appreciate the time as always. 
Absolutely happy to be here. There's Dr. Alicia Robichaud of Houston Methodist. Always fun to visit with her on a variety of topics. And that's going to do it for tonight's program. Some programming notes, though. Another show tomorrow at 6. We'll have D'Amico Ryan's right out of the shoot and a host of Friday activity for you, including Johnny Harris's Keys to the Game. Texans, Bucks on Sunday at noon, of course, live right here. And don't forget, Saturday night, extra points at 1035. John McClain and D.P. Sidhu, and then D.P. will host Texans 360, and it's a very special one. You will not want to miss that. That's going to do it. Thank you, Jace, for producing. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans!